Hello and welcome to Woo Woo Wonder Hour, where we discuss metaphysical topics including intuition, psychic ability, spirituality, crystals, and more. I'm your host, Megan. Uh, Roxy is continuing to take a break, so I'm going to be doing another solo episode. So thanks for joining me for episode 34. Today I'm going to be talking about shadow work and the effects that it has on the chakra system. So the concept of shadow work has been gaining momentum the last few years, and I'm currently doing shadow work, so I thought it would be an interesting subject to touch on. Um, And I'm not saying that it's just now becoming popular, um, but if you go on Pinterest, you can find a lot of shadow work prompts, and I think that's amazing. Um, So there's a ton of information out there about shadow work and the chakras, So I was super excited to put together a little woo-woo spin on shadow work. Um, So before we get started into shadow work and chakras, let's talk about the crystals of the week. Um, So this week I've been working with Lavender Rose Quartz and Brandberg Amethyst. Um, Lavender Rose Quartz is an excellent stone for connecting to higher realms, tapping into intuition, and getting guidance from your spirit guides. Um, The piece that I have is this lovely like pinkish purple color and it has a very calming energy. Um, So I've been carrying it around for the last week, maybe two. Um, And then Brandberg Amethyst is my other crystal that I've been carrying around. And it instills empathy and compassion and aids in a time of transformation. So that's like the perfect crystal for me right now. I'll be sure to post pictures of what I've been carrying around and uh, let me know what you guys have been carrying around because I love to see and hear about other people's crystals and what they're doing for people. So we also have the card of the week. Um, So this week I decided to use my Oracle deck from Gabrielle Bernstein. Um, It's called The Universe Has Your Back. And if you haven't seen it, I believe I got this from Hay House. Um, And I want to say it came with a book too. Um, But the cards are beautiful. Like I had such a hard time just choosing one. They don't have a lot of words on them. Um, but the artwork is just, it's, it's amazing. So the card that I chose, um, it says, I find a deeper meaning and personal growth amid the discomfort. So I thought that was kind of perfect for, talking about shadow work because it can be kind of an uncomfortable subject, but still very needed. So um, if you guys haven't gotten your hands on the Oracle deck, the universe has your back, I totally suggest it. Um, It's kind of just a cool card to pull for, you know, in the mornings just to kind of get you going. So, um, So Roxy and I usually do our horoscopes, but I figured I would kind of broaden that subject and maybe talk about some different planetary things that are going on. Now, this is not my forte. This is all stuff that I read and I watch, and I know right now we're going through a huge transition. We're in Venus in retrograde right now. Um, 
So I just kind of pulled some things that seemed to kind of fit with what we were talking about today, but also, um, you know, I just feel like the collective consciousness, like all of these things are happening right now. So we're kind of going through a death and rebirth right now. Um, so this transit with Venus is calling us to meet the part of ourselves that desperately needs to be reclaimed. The parts of us that feel unlovable, um, you know, things like that. Emotionally, this is an intense time right now, but it's also super, super healing. So um, if you're going through something, I really suggest digging deep and and seeing what you come up with. Um, and it won't all be negative. Uh, you know, we have a lot of positive too. So just being able to go back in and into ourselves and just figure out what needs to be reclaimed. Like what part of you are you missing that maybe hasn't been a part of yourself lately or maybe never has? Um, I think it's a good time to kind of go inward and see what we can figure out there. So a lot of people think that shadow work is like a witchy practice or just this, this different kind of, of vibe to it. And I see why people think that. Um, I see a lot of shadow work, like people being like, Ooh, I should do shadow work around Halloween and, and stuff like that. And that does make sense because, you know, the closer we get to, um, you know, Halloween in the United States anyway, um, our days start to grow shorter. And so it's more natural for us to start to look more inward during those times. So I totally understand why it seems like a witchy thing, but it's actually rooted in a psychology concept that was developed by the Swiss psychiatrist, Carl Jung. Um, he first wrote about the concept in his book, Archetypes in the Collective Unconscious, in 1934. So we're going on a hundred years here almost of, of, uh, of shadow work or uh, the idea of it. Um, so one of his quotes that he wrote in his book says, A person's shadow represents their unconscious or all the aspects of their personality that they have repressed over the course of their childhood. So the practice of shadow work is the process of reintegrating your shadow into your being so that you can be a more complete person. Um, so just like the saying, we can't have light without the dark, we can't all be light either. So in shadow work, the goal is to recognize personality traits within yourself reintegrate them into your understanding of who you are and then accept them as a part of you rather than denying the existence. And I'm not saying that we should be saying, hey, I have this dark part of me. Everybody needs to accept it. But being able to understand why that darkness is there in the first place, I feel like it illuminates it in a different way to where we can actually start to see how our understanding of the world affects our moods and our emotions and the people around us. So when we're young, 
we have all these different experiences and traumas that we base our worldview off of. It starts at a very early age. But unfortunately, a lot of people never question how or why they came to that point of view, so they don't ever evolve in their thoughts. So when we start to dig in on the experiences that we have as children, it's easy to see why this is so common. It's almost like our worldview snowballs as we get older, but it's based off of these core beliefs that we've developed as a child. So every experience that we have kind of agrees with our worldview, and then we count it as proof that this is how things are. These, 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 these are why these things are happening, when that's not necessarily true. Um, so I'll give an example of something that um, could possibly be construed as uh, something that kind of becomes a lifelong thing. So let's just say you really wanted to be a doctor growing up. Maybe you saw a TV show and you thought, oh, I want to do that. I want to save lives. And then maybe you went and you told an adult like, hey, I think I want to be a doctor. I think that that would be a really cool profession. And the adult tells that you, you need to be more practical. That's too much school and you don't even make good grades now. Um, and while this might seem like practical advice, it can make a child's worldview seem smaller because you really wanted to do something, but it was shot down by an adult who you thought had all of the answers. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you think that adults know everything. So if somebody tells you something like, hey, your grades aren't good enough for this, you may hold that for a really long time. And so maybe now you play it safe. Maybe you gave up your dreams of wanting to be a doctor because you thought it wasn't practical. It was going to take too much school. You weren't smart enough. Fill in the blank for why you decided that you couldn't do it. But in reality, maybe you would have been an amazingly empathetic doctor. Like maybe you would have loved your profession and made a difference in the lives of others, um, around, just everybody around you. So when you think of it that way, we really have to sit there and think like, what, what other ideas am I holding in my brain that have been telling me that I can or cannot do things? So, and it maybe, and maybe it wouldn't even stop there. I mean, this could hold, hold you back in so many different ways. Maybe going out for a big job promotion. Uh, you feel like you aren't smart enough to advance whenever really you are. Just because you had different grades as a kid, that doesn't mean that you can't excel now in whatever you're doing. So I feel like the smallest comments can make such a huge difference in someone's self-confidence or in their self-esteem and how they see themselves and what they're capable of. So I think it's our responsibility, especially with the little ones in our lives, that we do tell them, hey, you could do that if that's what you wanted. Um, there's this quote that I think kind of fits this. Um, and you'll probably hear me quote, um, this guy a lot. It's uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, he is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk and he was so full of wisdom. He passed away in 2022. 
Um, but his quote goes like this, the way you speak to others can offer them joy, happiness, self-confidence, hope, trust, and enlightenment. Mindful speaking is a deep practice. And I totally agree with that. I think that we should be mindful of how we speak to everyone. Um, because you don't know what somebody's personal understanding of the world is. And it's not our job to try to shape other people's when it comes to that sort of thing. So um, right now I'm working through a workbook called The Shadow Work Workbook by Madeline Doyle. Um, I really like it. It's got a lot of prompts that make you dig into your subconscious and help you to really start questioning your past experiences and traumas in a different way. I think I got this book from Amazon. I want to say it was like 16 or 17 bucks. Um, it is a workbook, so you can write in it and keep it um, for, you know, different times in your life whenever you feel like you need to kind of reintegrate some of your energy. Um, but I think it's well worth the investment and the investment um, to just go ahead and buy a book. Although if, if you need, like there's lots of prompts on Pinterest. I mean, there, there are a lot of different um, places that you can get shadow work prompts, but I really liked this book and how everything was kind of structured and set up. So, um, and definitely stick around for the second half of this episode because I will be giving prompts for each chakra. Um, and I found it could be super helpful to help with different like chakra mis misalignments and stuff like that. So, but before we continue, I did want to say this. Um, a lot of people do shadow work under the guidance of religious leaders or counselors or therapists. Because of the nature of this work, it's really important to seek guidance on some of the thoughts and feelings that come up for you. So please consider doing shadow work alongside a professional who can help guide you through your trauma and help you dissect the ideas and assumptions that have come up. It can bring up a lot of emotional topics and it's best to be prepared and have some extra support. I would even say maybe talking to some of your close friends and family, especially um, if they've kind of been with you since you were a child, because I think it's cool to kind of talk to your, let's just say your siblings or a friend or something about this kind of thing, because they can understand where you're coming from and can kind of help you um, redirect your thoughts and say, Hey, I thought that too, as a kid, but this is, this is how I think now, you know? So before we take a break, I wanted to talk a little bit about the positive aspects of integrating your shadow work and kind of the chakras that they can, um, kind of associate with. So one of the first things that I really, really like about doing shadow work. And one of, I think one of the most important, um, things is that it makes you feel like a whole person. So our experiences can make us feel disjointed as people. And especially if they happened when we're a kid, because you learn to feel disjointed at an earlier age that way. 
So I feel like this comes through for people who maybe dissociate a lot. Um, they're not grounded in their self. Maybe they're on their cell phones all the time. Um, I, and I think, I think that that can, of course, lead to a lot of issues, but I feel like it's more of a, a symptom to what's going on. So as far as chakras go, I believe that this would fall under the earth star chakra and the root chakra. Um, a lot of people don't talk about the earth star chakra and I like to talk about it because I feel like it's a very important chakra. It's not one of like the main seven chakras that you see. Um, but technically like there are so many chakras within our bodies and our systems. Like the other day I was reading this really cool book on Kundalini and the um, chakras. And it was talking about the heart chakras and there are seven different chakras within your heart chakra. So there's just, there's so much cool information out there on chakras. Um, but yeah, I do feel like this one affects our earth star chakra and our root chakra. So shadow work can kind of help reconnect our bodies to our experiences and make us more whole in a holistic way. We can start to be kinder to ourselves when we learn to accept all the parts of ourselves that have made us who we are today. And I feel like um, this also makes us have like an outwardly noticeable authenticity that people actually want to be around. So um, I think that that's super important um, because it's almost like a wholeness in yourself can actually help heal the wholeness in others. And that's a beautiful thing to me. So another thing that happens when we start to go through shadow work is our improved interactions with others. So when we're feeling more whole and accepting of ourselves, we can actually start to accept others as they are and where they're at on their journey. Um, and I think that this affects our heart chakras um, more than anything. Uh, it can lead to a beautiful connection with people because I feel like it bridges the gap between our souls when we can understand others from their point of view. It gives us empathy and isn't that kind of our ultimate goal in life to kind of have more of an understanding of other people? And, and maybe it's not, but that's something that's really important to me. Um, I, I went to college for a long time and not because I was a doctor, but because I was so interested in everything. And one of the things that I was most interested in was just human beings and how they worked. So when I went to college, I took every class I could find on psychology, sociology, anthropology, world religion. So to me, like, it's such an important thing to have a better understanding of people because it does help you to develop more empathy and I just think that that's a really important thing for people to have. Um, so another thing that happens, a positive thing, whenever you're going through shadow work is that it makes you more creative, which is amazing. 
It opens up the channels for creativity and it helps clear out like stagnant energy that you're carrying around in your auric field. So this energy I feel is mostly affected in our sacral chakra, uh, which is our second chakra. It governs sexuality and creativity. Um, so I think this is really important and it's a really exciting part of shadow work. Um, I'm a really creative person, but I have gone through a lot of non-creative times. And so to see the creativity start to come out of me, um, just by healing myself has been such a cool experience. So another thing that helps or that shadow work, doing the work helps is healing of the generational trauma. I read something the other day that said that pain moves through families until someone is ready to feel it. Since our earliest childhood memories begin the process of becoming poor, core memories, it's no wonder that generational trauma can be inflicted early in life. It used to be such a mind-blowing concept to me that people can come from such different backgrounds and have such different points of view on life. You know, some people grow up in houses where people just yell all the time. And so when that person goes and starts their own family, that's how they act. And that's, that's how they get their point across is by yelling and screaming. And they don't even realize that not everybody's family did that. Other people had different ways of dealing with things. Maybe it was by not speaking about it. Maybe it was speaking calmly about it. Um, so I feel like we have these generational traumas that we don't realize are actually not quote unquote normal. Um, so I think... And, oh, I wanted to say this too. I feel like with generational trauma, when we start to become more accepting of things and saying, hey, this happened in my life and it happened early on and it created X, Y, Z within my, my personal belief system, um, I feel like we can also start becoming more accepting of our parents and where their generation came from. And I say this because, you know, as you get older, you really do start to understand why your parents did the things they did, said the things they said. And I feel like it's almost an opportunity to offer grace to the people that raised us. And of course, not everybody is, I don't want to say deserving of that grace, but at the same time, I really do believe that um, when we start to peel back the layers, we start to see everyone as a product of their environment. And I just feel like we should be offering grace instead of judgment in that department. And this kind of makes me think of my mom. So growing up, my mom was dirt she never had money. And so when I was growing up, it was, it was much the same. We didn't have money. And she had, she always had this belief that money was never enough. 
she always wanted to hold on to things just in case she needed them. And she didn't really have that trust in God or the universe that she was actually going to be supported and taken care of. And so it's something that I've had to first recognize in myself and realize where it came from. And yes, I have backslid some with that, but being able to understand like, Hey, this is, this is how my mom felt about it. And this is how I picked those things up and how I felt about it. I feel like when, when you start to identify something, the problem becomes smaller. Um, so I really think it's important work to do shadow work just for those purposes right there. Um, because if I have children, I want them to know that they can be supported through the universe and through God and, and they can have the money they need and they don't need to worry about things like that. So another, um, positive thing that comes from doing shadow work is you learn how to meet your needs in a more healthy way. When we start to gain a better understanding of ourselves as a whole, we find that coping mechanisms that were once a problem can actually dissolve. These energies lie within our solar plexus and our third eye chakra. Um, I've discovered this lately, like the weeks leading up to me starting shadow work. Oh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I was like insatiably hungry, like all the time, eating whatever was in front of me. And I kept thinking like, why am I so hungry? Why do I keep wanting to eat? And then when I started to do shadow work and I started expressing my emotions, um, mostly just writing them down. Um, I went from being hungry all the time to just eating when I needed to. So, and I'm not saying that it's this easy for everybody, but when we become more mindful and cognizant of our patterns and behaviors, we can begin to leave the toxic traits behind and actually find healthier ways to cope with life. And so I think it's really important to do this work, even just for that, so that we can kind of have a better understanding of what we lean on um, when we're feeling insecure or when we're feeling out of our bodies. Because if you think about it, like food is a super grounding, um, like eating is a super grounding activity. It grounds your energy. Um, and so if you're brain, if you're, if you're way up here in the clouds and you're dis disassociating and you just can't figure out what's going on, a lot of times eating makes us feel grounded. And so in that way, we kind of have control over feeling grounded instead of, you know, doing the work to make ourselves feel more grounded within ourselves and within our lives. So I think that that's a, a really important um, thing to take from all of this. So just like we kind of just talked about the positive things um, with uh, 
with shadow work. Now we're going to talk about some shadow repression and the things that can happen with that. We're going to do that right after the break. Um, so come on back and, and we'll do the second half. Okay, so welcome back. Um, so we're talking about shadow work in the chakras today. Um, if you missed the first half, we talked about all of the positive things that can happen whenever we start to go in inward and start to do the shadow work. So now we're going to talk about shadow repression and the things that can happen whenever we're repressing things. So the first one is... Obviously, self-soothing is something that you have to do, um, but a lot of times we do it in a really, really unhealthy way. So we can be self-soothing with drugs, alcohol, food, um, that sort of thing. And of course, that has negative connotations. Um, I believe that this kind of affects all of our lower chakras. Um, root chakra, sacral chakra, solar plexus, I feel like they're all kind of connected in our groundedness and how we kind of cope with with day-to-day -day life. I also feel like um, and when we're repressing our shadows, there's a lot of negative talk that goes on about ourselves. And I feel like this is a third eye chakra issue um, where we have all of this negativity towards ourself, but we don't necessarily understand why. So I think that that's a big one as far as um, repressing the shadow and a really good reason why we need to delve in and kind of figure out why do we have these negative thoughts about ourselves? Where did these negative thoughts come? And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about with shadow repression um, would be anxiety and stress. Um, I think that this comes from our solar plexus chakra, but I feel like our anxiety and stress, they all have a root. And within this root, we have to figure out why we're feeling the way we're feeling. Um, I've had anxiety for a long time and it's finally starting to subside. But I do know one thing and that is that each one of my anxious thoughts comes from somewhere. And so I believe that one of the most important things about doing shadow work is being able to uproot these thoughts that we have in our minds and being able to say, Hey, I don't like this. I'm going to change my thought process on this. And I think that when we start doing that, I think that our anxiety lessens a lot. So it's really important to do this work so that we can have 
more control over our thoughts and our emotions. Now, before we go on to the questions, I did want to say this. I believe that shadow work is an unending process. I don't believe you can go through your core thoughts and beliefs once and then you're magically fixed. We all need to reassess different beliefs throughout our lives or when we raise our vibration. Each new phase of our life deserves a reassessment of these things. And the reason I say that, I don't know how many of you guys have seen like the, um, the vibration, the frequency chart. Um, I'll try to remember actually to post this to the page so you guys can see it. Um, but essentially there are all these different vibrations that you can vibrate your frequency on and it starts at the bottom and then it goes up and at the top is kind of like the enlightened version of yourself but there at the very bottom you're going to have anxiety you're going to have self-doubt you're going to have anger grief all of these lower energy frequencies that we find ourselves trapped in so the different levels of the energy vibrations that we have i believe that we need to go back in and reassess every single time and do shadow work when we upgrade so that we can so that we're not in our own way because i feel like sometimes our thoughts and beliefs um they help us get through certain phases of our lives but at some point we need to retire those thoughts and beliefs so i think that that's a really good time to go ahead and is go ahead and make that make that transition of hey i'm going to be working on this and then next time you or and maybe not even like maybe not even once you get to a new level use this to make yourself get to a new vibrational level because it's such a huge thing like the thoughts that you have on certain levels may not be in your highest good anymore so going in and discovering which things aren't for your highest good anymore can really, really help you to get to that source of enlightenment if that's where you're wanting to go. So we're going to start our shadow work questions. Um, I'll try to go through these a little bit slowly just in case you guys want to write them down. Um, now, what I kind of did was I found questions or made up some of the questions as well. Um, for each chakra so that you can kind of see within your own system um, where the shadow work can help you improve. So um, the first one actually is not going to be um, for any chakra. This actually comes from the workbook that I'm doing um, by Madeline Doyle. And so this is what... Uh, this is actually, I think, the first question that she asks. And it says, write down, without filters, everything you wish had been different in your childhood. When I first read that, I was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of writing. Um, 
And then it goes on to say, continue to reflect and rewrite as you may uncover new aspects each time. Embrace the negative emotions that come up during this process as it is crucial in the journey of shadow work. So this was the first question. And I loved this question. Um, and I actually spent a few days on that prompt alone, writing and rewriting what I wish was different about my childhood. You don't have to show this to anybody. This is just for you. So if you feel like you need to spend a couple of days on this, more power to you because I really felt like, okay, if I, not that I have to get this right, but to get this right for me, a lot of those negative things that happened when I was a kid, they got to go. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to make sure that I could kind of get through that process. So every day it kind of brought up something different that I hadn't thought of before. So feel free to take a couple of days for each prompt um, and just kind of rewrite it out. Um, what I ended up doing was I got a journal um, and that's what I've been using and just writing so, so much. So, um, so yeah, that's the first question. Um, and I think it was a very therapeutic thing for me, um, to go through that. Um, and just to, just to have that clarity and honestly, to go back through my childhood and think of all the things that I'm like, Oh, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I wish that wouldn't have happened because it also makes you realize what came out of that happening for you. Sometimes it's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a negative thing, but it's always a good idea to go ahead and reassess those things and kind of discover, was it a positive thing? What, you know, um, that sort of thing. So that was a question that was out of the workbook. Um, and the rest of these questions are ones that, like I said, I came up with, or, um, I also found this blog called lonerwolf.com and Alethea was the writer for a lot of these questions. And she did a really good job of putting these questions together for each chakra. So if you don't know that much about chakras, do not fear, um, I'm going to kind of go over just briefly each chakra and what they kind of relate to. Um, but also know this, um, we do have some plans in the work to have like an episode over each chakra and I'm super excited about it. So if you find yourself not knowing that much about chakras right now, please know that more information and knowledge is coming. So so first we're going to do the earth star chakra. So one thing you should know about chakras is you start at the bottom and you work your way to the top. Um, so the earth star chakra is actually, I want to say like 12 inches below our feet. So it's literally our connection to the world, our connection to our ancestors, our connection to our humankind collective. And that's why I always like to talk about the earth star chakra because I do feel like it's really important to talk about because the connection to our ancestors and the human collective, like 
that's huge, right? So I did a couple of questions for each chakra. The first one for the earth star chakra is, did you feel safe and supported as a child? Write about a time when you didn't feel safe as a child. Now, I realize not everybody is going to have answers to each of these questions, depending on your environment that you grew up in, um, your traumas. So if, if you don't have any answers to these, like feel free to skip over them. So the second question is, who was your person that always felt safe as a child? Who did you run to whenever you were feeling scared and you needed to feel some safety? Um, talk about that person and what they meant to you. Write all this stuff out. Um, maybe how they made you feel safe, when they made you feel safe. Um, just kind of go through it like that. And then we go on to our root chakra. So technically the root chakra, they say, is the first chakra. Um, this chakra is located um, kind of at the base of our tailbone. Um, and it's our connection to our family. And also it has a lot to do with our boundaries that we set. So the first question goes like this. How do you unintentionally allow others to invade your personal boundaries? And maybe this isn't even unintentional. You know, maybe you say, "Ugh, I don't want them to do that, but I'm going to let them do that. How, how do you unintentionally allow others to do that? And, and why do you let them do that? Those are questions that you should be asking yourself. So the second question for this is, what traumas have you inherited from your family? And this kind of goes back to what I was saying um, about my mom and um, her just always being kind of in, um, you know, kind of like a fight or flight mode or, you know, her just not feeling secure with money or with anything. So what traumas have you inherited? What ideas did you have you developed over the years because of the things that your parents have said or done or, you know, somebody in your family. So the second chakra is our sacral chakra and it kind of governs our life source um, and our creative purpose. Um, and this is, uh, this is like two inches below our belly button and also governs like our sexuality. So if you have like a sexual block or something like that, or maybe you're uh, too open sexually, um, this is all going to come from your sacral chakra. So the first question for your sacral chakra is what is your relationship like to your sexuality? Uh, does it make you uncomfortable? Are you, is it are you too comfortable with it? Um, just trying to figure out where, where that relationship lies with your sexuality. And then the second question for your sacral chakra is reflect on any personal habits that make you feel guilty. Why do they stir this emotion up within you? So maybe you feel guilty every time you eat before your kids eat. Or maybe you feel guilty about, um, it could be anything really. Where do you come up with those? Like, why do you have those feelings of guilt? 
And why are those emotions stirred up inside of you? That's a really important question to ask because our sacral chakra does hold a lot of our guilt and that can, that can create blockages and make us less creative and have less sexual drive. So it's important to kind of check in with that. So our third chakra is our solar plexus chakra, which is, um, I want to say like, it's kind of like in the middle of our rib cage. Well, maybe towards the bottom. Um, and so our solar plexus chakra has to do with manifesting. So if you have a hard time doing what you want to do, coming up with what you want to come up with, um, and it also governs our humility. So the first question for this is what makes you feel ashamed of yourself and why? And really think about these questions and how they relate to things that we learned when we were younger. Because I feel like shame is something that is felt not super early on, but in a lot of ways it can be felt that way. So where, when, if you can remember like the first time that you felt ashamed of something, write about that. And then the second question for this, uh, for the solar plexus is in your most dark moments, what makes you feel empty and unworthy? And that's kind of a heavy one. Um, that could take up a couple of pages maybe for you. What makes you feel empty and unworthy? Really think on that one because our solar plexus chakra, you know, it does a lot for us. And also I believe that our solar plexus chakra and our heart chakra, which is the next one up, um, they kind of they don't meld together, but they help connect our lower and our upper chakras. So if you're having solar plexus, solar plexus chakra misalignment issues, this can actually affect you all the way up to your crown chakra. So definitely think about these things and what can make you feel unworthy. So the next chakra is our heart chakra. Uh, It mediates between body and spirit and actually determines health and strength. We hold a lot in our heart chakras. We hold a lot of emotions. We hold grief. We hold all of these emotions inside of us. And they're usually right there in our chest. That's why sometimes when something happens, it feels like you get like kicked in the chest. Like it's hard to breathe. Um... So the first question for the heart chakra is, what were you taught about giving and receiving love as a child? A lot of our feelings of unworthiness can come from our heart chakra. So what taught you about giving and receiving love as a child? Were you taught that you had to be good in order to receive love? Um, You know, think about questions like that. Um, And then the second question is, deep down, do you feel worthy of true love? Why or why not? I want to say that everybody feels like they're worthy of love. But in reality, a lot of people don't feel worthy of love. So where does your feeling of self-worth towards love come from? And how can we make you feel like you are worthy of love 
And that's such a huge one because our self-love really does start with ourselves and then it grows outwards. So if you don't have that self-love for yourself, loving others is going to be skewed. And I'm not saying you can't love others, but I'm just saying that wholehearted, unconditional love comes from how we feel about ourselves. So it's really important to kind of get to the root of that and figure out how we feel worthy. So the next chakra is our throat chakra. So I'm not telling you where some of these are because I think you can kind of figure it out, but this one's going to be in your throat Um, and it governs self-expression. So if you were to, so this is the first question. If you were to write in the voice of your inner critic right now, what would it say to you? Like if you were just to sit down and think of all the aspects of your life, what would that inner voice be telling you right now? Would it be telling you, Hey, you're not far enough in life yet. You don't have this yet. You don't, you're not doing this. Why aren't you doing this for yourself? Write those things down and then go back and track them and figure out why you're so hard on yourself about these particular situations. And then the second question to this is, were you listened to as a child? And I think this is a really big one, especially for the throat chakra. And it's one that I've had to deal with a lot um, because I'll, I'll just give an example. I remember one time I was talking to somebody, uh, and it was an adult in my life and I was super excited about whatever I was talking about and they didn't care about it. And they looked at me and they said, Megan, nobody cares about this. Just stop talking about it. And from that point on, I know for a fact that it was hard for me to talk about things in front of that person anymore because I felt like, well, they don't even care. And then that kind of seeps out into other people and saying, you know what, this this person does not care that I know everything there is to know about brewing kombucha or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I feel like when something like that is said, it really does cause a lot of chakra issues, throat chakra issues. And so really going in and figuring out, were you listened to as a child or did somebody just kind of put it on, were they just on autopilot and they weren't really listening? Or when you talked, maybe they didn't answer you or, you know, whatever the situation is, it's important to go in and figure out if we have a throat chakra issue and where this issue came from. So we're getting to the end of our chakras. We have two more. So we have the third eye chakra, which kind of governs the perception, the awareness, and the spiritual connection. So this, the third eye chakra, if you don't know, is in the middle of your forehead, a little bit above your brow line. Um, In what ways do you mistrust your intuition? And this is such a big one. Uh, I think for a lot of people, especially when you're first developing intuition, um, I feel like a lot of times we don't trust it. And so we won't listen to our intuition and what it's telling us. 
So in what ways do we mistrust our intuition? Maybe it's towards certain people that we know we shouldn't be around, but we are anyway. Um, maybe it's, man, I had a gut feeling about something and I didn't do it. And I really regret that. Like in what ways do we mistrust our intuition? Dig that out and then figure out why we're not listening to our intuition. I think it's really important to do that. And then the second question is, when was the last time you realized you were deluded or believed something false? (laughs) What was your experience? What was that experience like for you? Um, This is a tough one. I am not going to lie. Like to sit down and say, I, mm, my thoughts were a little convoluted on that one. And I believe something that I should not have believed. I let other people dictate what I was, what I should think. Um, really get into this question um, and and kind of figure out like, when was a time when I was completely and utterly wrong? And what can I do to not have those thoughts again? Um, so yeah, that's a... <laughs> That's a big one. So now we're going to go on to our crown chakra, which is our last chakra that we're going to talk about. So our crown chakra is kind of our most upper chakra. It's about 12 inches above our head. And I can't remember who it was, but they were telling me that your spirit guides and everything, they all kind of reside in your crown chakra area. So that's kind of an interesting uh, thought. But so there's a lot of spiritual connection that goes with your crown chakra and also transformation. Um, Sometimes you think of transformation as happening in your lower chakras, but really transformation starts in your crown chakra. But you can't get to your crown chakra without going to the, uh, to the lower ones first. So remember that as far as transformation goes, it has to, it has to work its way up. And then once you have everything in alignment, transformation can happen and it happens in your crown chakra. So, um, and again, some of these questions may not, um, pertain to you. So if not, you can totally skip over them. Um, But the first question for this is what kind of spiritual abuse, if any, did you experience growing up? How has that impacted the way you perceive yourself, others, and life? When I think of spiritual abuse, um, of course you think of church things sometimes. And I want to say one thing that really kind of um, had a negative connotation, especially it seems like on the millennial generation and maybe a little sooner was like in the 90s, we had a lot of talk of like saving yourself for marriage and rebirthing your virginity, like stuff like that. Um, And while I don't necessarily think that those are abusive, I think that, again, when you're young and impressionable, this is what you think. So when you're told that you're dirty or unclean for maybe having an experience or something like that, 
I think that um, that can have negative connotations for you later on in life, uh, especially whenever you're dealing with sexuality and stuff like that. So that's one thing that I thought of when I saw this question. Um, and again, that may not have been you. That may not have been your experience, but definitely kind of uh, delve into that one because I think that we do have a lot of kind of hidden um, subconscious things that come up from the things that we learned maybe from a religious person growing up or um, church, something like that. So, and then our final question uh, for the crown chakra and all of the chakras is, um, in what areas do you struggle to think for yourself? Another big question, I think. Um, and one that we should be asking ourselves in what areas do you struggle to think for yourself? Um, yeah, that's a huge question. Um, because a lot, if you think about it, all of shadow work is somebody or an idea being put in our mind and then us gaining negative momentum from it. So being able to think for yourself and being able to discern between what is right and wrong in your mind is really important. So that concludes all the questions for shadow work in the chakras. Um, I hope that you guys were able to take some of this away and hopefully it will help you to kind of have a better understanding of first of, first of all chakras. Um, but second of all, how, this kind of work can affect every single one of our chakras and our alignment. So, um, so yeah, that is our, that is the podcast episode today. Um, we would love to hear from you. Um, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, you want to talk to me about your crystals and which ones are your favorite and how they affect you. I would love to hear it. And I know Roxy would love to hear it as well. So you can find us on email, which is wooowonderhour at gmail.com. You can find our blog at wooowonderhour.wordpress.com. Or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram under wooowonderhour. And if you like this episode, please tell a friend. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. Um, if you haven't, please subscribe um, and just give us some love. We're trying to reach as many people as possible with all of this. So I'm going to leave you with a quote. This quote comes from Debbie Ford. It says, our shadows hold the essence of who we are. They hold our most treasured gifts. By facing these aspects of ourselves, we become free to experience our glorious totality, the good, the bad, the dark, and the light. So with that, I want to say thank you for joining, and don't forget to share your light.